Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin and welcome to another week here from the great state of Wisconsin and we have our panel as always which means Rebecca Lynch from the Working Families Party is sitting across from me. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be here, Matt. Yes, always. And Robert Craig, our Executive Director here at Citizen Action is also with us. Robert. Good day, everyone. You know, we were... Before the show, we, we record Thursday mornings, and we're in here drinking our coffee and trying to, you know, talk about what are all our topics that we're going to talk about, and we discuss, should we talk about the State of the Union, and eh, there's just, uh, we don't have the stomach for it. No, we really want to spend time on this show talking about what's actually happening here in Wisconsin. We do think it's one of the priorities of our show, so um, we have been talking about Senate District 10 and what a big deal this was in terms of um, huge victory, shocking victory for the Democrats. And we mentioned after it happened that Walker tweeted and sounded a little unhinged. And this special session is the birth of that unhinged night. It's, this is a highly political special session we're entering in where the governor is going after welfare. I mean, they're calling it welfare reform. It's, it's a perversion of the word reform. Uh, which includes drug testing, a whole bunch of other things. We'll get into the details. Special session occurred, started yesterday on Wednesday. A little bit, Robert, from you and then Rebecca on the details. First of all, let's just refresh our listeners exactly what Walker is trying to push through here. It's a series of bills uh, that uh, our friends at One Wisconsin now have turned up some evidence they were drafted or put together they already were around but quickly redrafted and set up for immediate release right after the senate district 10 special election upset telling you that this is a classic pivot changing the subject and so rather than getting bogged down the tails just realize this is about blaming people who don't have jobs people who are poor for their own poverty for their own joblessness and they they're just counting on the idea and i'm sure they do a lot of really sleazy opinion research that they can convince people all over the state because uh, work is a, is, is a high value, that that's the problem, and that we're going to be tough and we're going to punish these people and make them go into job training, uh, regardless of whether there are actual jobs for these folks to support their families because the Walker administration and conservative economic doctrine totally fails on that score. And they call a success just getting someone into one temporary job and then not even tracking whether they stay in the temporary job, right, let alone they can support themselves, their families, etc. So there is all sorts of stuff. There's drug testing of people for public housing. There are work requirements uh, for both for Badger Care and for, uh, for, for access to food shares. Uh, and so there's also a photo ID for food shares. And by the way, I predict they will not amend the uh, photo ID law for voting to suggest that the photo IDs for food shares will, be, will count because, of course, it's not really about people having identification. All of this is about setting up barriers uh, to cut people off because they actually just don't want to spend the money, don't think it's the role of government, and want to spend it on tax cuts for, the, for wealthy corporations, and as a, uh, a crass political ploy uh, to kind of uh, try to draw on people's basis instincts about why people are poor. It's not unlike, therefore, Trump and his use of nativism and anti-immigration uh, opinion, nation, national, white nationalism, and uh, 
and, and, and straight out racism uh, to try to benefit himself politically, which is also a, a part of the whole conservative playbook right now. So this is just what Walker can't go after immigrants as easily, but he can go after, he can try to go after anyone who needs government assistance. Um, going back to SC10, this is an extension of that freak out uh, that Governor Walker had, and obviously there's a political component to it, but there's a policy component too, right? And so how do we do the most we can on our way out the door, but not the most good, right? It's how do we inflict maximum damage and not do maximum good? And I know we'll talk later about some of the manufacturing jobs that we're losing in the state, uh, but they're not calling a special session to respond to that. They're calling a special session to to drug test the poor, to have these work requirements, and this is all part of, I think, a larger strategy, and we talk about it all the time, not just here, but in our popular education conversations that we have with Citizen Action members, uh, that this is all about extracting from our communities, extracting the maximum wealth from communities of color, from poor white communities, from rural communities. And so the work requirement isn't requiring people to work so much as it's requiring people to work for poverty wages, requiring people to extract all the blood, sweat, and tears that they can for our capitalist society and get like the minimum in return. Uh, and it, it's fascinating to me, you know, I know we'll talk uh, as always more about Foxconn later, but you know, when we talk about welfare, you know, the maximum damage they could do on their way out the door, if they are out the door, if the Supreme Court changes the lines, if it is a wave year, if a Democrat can beat Walker, you know, they're not going to rest until they can do as much like damage as possible. And the maximum damage is like the most corporate welfare that we can give. Um, the, the biggest transfer of wealth while eliminating health care from little kids, eliminating food security from little kids. Uh, and so that's why we have this like freak out emergency special session. And the freak out is over uh, potentially losing the legislature and using the governorship. And the solution is to blame the powerless, people who are marginalized, people who have the least power uh, and least economic uh, wealth in our society, right, and are struggling the most, as opposed to the powerful who are never held accountable. Foxconn has lavished, uh, you know, huge subsidies. WEDEC doesn't actually even believe Governor's Jobs Agency in actually even tracking whether a company uh, produces the jobs they're supposed to create. No accountability for the powerful, right? And I'll go even a step further than Rebecca. You hear all these, you, you, you hear them try to make it philosophical, uh, like that they're, they're just uh, valuing work and this and so if, if you do this it'll it'll set a standard and, and we have uh, state senator Chris Kapanga saying his mother is on welfare throwing her under the bus saying in essence that 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 was bad and and she didn't work so apparently the young Chris Kapanga would have been much better off if her mother if, if there were no if there were no resources to feed him or clothe him or house him which is what we're talking about and that would have been better uh, if there was no good job for his mother, or is his mother just some sort of, is she saying that she was lazy and there was plenty of opportunity for her, right? This, it, either way, it's gross. But I'll take a step further here. They don't want to, it's not a philosophical thing, they don't want to solve this problem. There's no tracking built in. They don't want to track whether people uh, get jobs and can support their families. They're including parents for the first time, uh, which is really ratcheting it up as far as vulnerable kids, who are the poorest segment of our state as kids, Okay. And that's why we have a campaign to end child poverty with faith-based groups and with Kids Forward. They Not only do they not care about solving the problem, they want to continually go back to the well politically and attack the poor over and over again. So it's, they keep saying, Walker said in the state of the state, scandalously, he's repeating a kind of a Koch brother talking point, uh, that, that Hammock, 
There's no welfare program since the mid-90s, since Bill Clinton and the Republicans. It's a hammock. There's no one just sitting around collecting comfortable checks, not that they were before, but they certainly aren't now. And, but they're going to re re return to this issue. The same will be true with immigration. So they don't even really want to make, create more opportunity. They just want to be able to divide and conquer. That's what this is about. And this is trying to convince people in the next steps up in the economic ladder that they're being tough on those poor people and they're the problem. And there's also a racialized component to this, which, I, which Rebecca obviously referenced in what she said. I mean, this is the connect to Trump in the, in the State of the Union. He can say whatever he wants about how great the economy is, how wonderful everything is, his policies are doing great. It's doing great, except it's not, right? And, and the public gets this. And you mentioned uh, Kimberly Clark, right? I think that's a really important reference point here in this broadly what's going on that, right, Trump's world, Trump's policies, it didn't save. Those are mostly manufacturing jobs, 600 manufacturing jobs that are going to be leaving the Nina area. And uh, uh, for folks who don't know Kimberly Clark, is the third largest employer in that region. And this is this is a big deal. This is a plant that had a lot of money had been invested in. This is not some relic, you know, uh, manufacturing plant. So um, while Walker is going after, and the Republicans are going after people who are, you know, in, in tough situations, right, and struggling to try to get by, many people working, right? This is really the problem, right? And Amanda Stuck, Senator Hansen, a lot of the local leaders up there are actually calling for that, calling that out. And they're like, this is what we should be having a special session about, right? The economy, you know, $4 billion, $4.5 now billion to Foxconn. But we don't really have a, a, a serious economic strategy that's going to address the whole state and actually address what, what we really need in terms of trying to create the kind of economy we want. I mean, if you think about it historically... I mean, the, the, the contrast, forget the little small ball policies and what, because nine of the bills are authored by Voss and what this or that does or doesn't do, right? This is about punishing the least powerful people in our society. That's what this is about, like poor women with children, right? And so there's a psychic thing about that where the worst part of human nature is to want to punish people who are less powerful. And this sort of defines conservatism versus progressivism whether or not you have empathy and want to have an equal society where you actually give people a hand up and create a structure that actually encourages people to have full access to freedom and to live fulfilling lives versus this hierarchical structure where you want to hold power, that's what they're doing, by punishing the people who have the least power in our society and also relying upon a coded kind of racism, which is involved here. This is hurting a ton of white people, but we know what kind of image they're trying to convey in the same, you know, 20% of the electorate that, it, that is thrilled by Trump's nationalist anti-immigrant rhetoric. I mean, I think it's just the, um, this is the natural byproduct of a capitalist economic system uh, and a capitalist uh, government and electoral system. And I think what we're seeing now is this extreme rush to get things done because we might actually get some citizen action co-op members and working families party candidates and lots of other people following in the wake of SD10 elected to state office. Oh, and by the way, the Supreme Court of the United States might say that our lines are, you know, unconstitutionally gerrymandered. With that, we have to take a break. Again, we're citizen action. And 
Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We were talking about Walker's highly political special session to go after uh, folks who are who need food stamps, the folks who uh, who are struggling, right? And uh, as opposed to actually taking on and building the kind of economy we need, which would uh, provide real opportunity. And we were talking about how it's all really quite political because the tides are turned. Uh, Donald Trump is highly unpopular. Uh, there is a national wave that has been going on uh, since late last year, and we saw it play out in Senate District 10. And so Governor Walker is very desperate. And this is also playing out on another front, and that is that there, there should be additional special elections going on in the state right now. Uh, there are two seats that are actually open. And our state law actually says, I mean, that, that these should be filled, uh, that the timing of these would be such that they're far enough away from a, a, an election. And, and we have a whole legislative set. Well, Robert, there's a special section. It's so special. It, it's very special. It had to be, like, just done right after a special election. So, obviously, really important things are happening, and we have people that aren't represented, right? And there's still a whole session this, this, this year. So, but again, the reason Walker isn't doing this and he continues to defend himself this week is because it, it's certainly one of these seats, a very good chance in, in this environment, they're going to lose it. Another axiom of conservatism, before I give it to Rebecca, is <laughs> exercise any power you have, absolutely. I mean, so this is about, I have the power not to schedule them, I'm not going to. And you'll notice how ruthless they are. Look how ruthless Trump is right now on trying to undermine the investigation into him his campaign is the same sort of ruthlessness that you actually don't see in the Democratic Party or on the left. Yeah, well, th that's true. You don't see the ruthlessness on the de on the left, but also you don't see this specific activity on the left because democracy is good for the things that we stand for. So uh, yeah, like yes, ac I, yeah. I wasn't calling for more ruthlessness. <laughs> I was simply describing the moral difference. No, th there is a moral difference, but, there, but there's also a tactical difference, right? I think the more people who are informed and the more people who vote in truly free and fair elections benefits the policies that we champion, you know, true liberty for all, equality, equity, uh, you know, prosperity, you know, the right to pursue happiness, these things that we, we care about come about when everyone can vote and instead what yes what do you Robert? mean walker's not cutting people off putting <laughs> from the state of state he's making it easier for people to get a job i i think that we need to have um memes of robert's <laughs> facial expressions from the podcast for future for future publication um, Scott Walker. <laughs> but you know i think this is a typical republican playbook right they they cannot win in a true free and fair democracy that so they control who can vote when they can vote who we can vote for whose message we hear uh, and, and so much of that is through the rules of the game, through voter ID, through um, donors, lack of campaign finance rules. Um, but that, that's what we're dealing with here again. But they'd never, you know, turn to say what we've seen, for example, in Kenya, right, where they'd actually used armed force to prevent voting. Well, I would say this. This is my comment. They only wouldn't because the state of American society now is, is that that would harm their power. But so, there is no ethical constraint on what they would do to hold power that I know of. So I'm going to dive just a little deeper into the specifics of these two seats because they're actually both winnable. So Assembly District 42 is one of them. And this is interesting because we're now, we're now going to talk more about power on the podcast and how we're going to build power because 
this stuff's all back in play. Like uh, six months ago, it was it was really not at all realistic. But like big stuff could happen. And, District and, and told all those folks here about forced drug testing people <laughs> for, who need housing assistance. District forty second is is north of Madison, and this is a seat that is it's it's a little bit Republican, but it's the it is not nearly as Republican as SD ten was. Exactly the kind of seat that would probably just it would be very difficult for them right now. But I want to talk a little bit about the second seat, SD one. This is all of Door County, all the, the whole finger, right? Kewanee and then County. down, and then it wraps around suburban Green Bay. And it's pretty Republican, but, so like it's, I, by the numbers, I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head, like bad political guy. I want to say it's like around 40% Democratic, so it's not very 60, Democratic. 40, think, yeah. But it's the kind that possibly, particularly, if the Republicans have a terrible candidate, and guess what, folks? They got a terrible candidate. That's the big news this week. Andre Jacques has announced uh. that he's going to run for Senate District 1. So if they called a special election, low turnout election with Andre Jacques on the ballot, that's that that could be death. I believe the it yes. could be death believe, in the fall. I believe the yes is silent, Matt. Uh, Come just, on. For, just for you Francophiles out there. Who I apologize. To, uh, I, I apologize. He is he is truly one of the like most conservative, wacky Republicans we have in the legislature, and that's that's he's a lot. One of my favorites. He's he's kind of an Alec boy. He like introduces a lot of model Alec bills. I remember that he was testifying for the Judiciary Committee, and had a bill that was this bizarre bill that changed liability in some highly technical way for a certain kind of manufacturing firm. And so the Democrats were asking him, like Tom Hebel and uh, Dana Walks, actually, and uh, 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 Ger- uh, Ivan Goyke, they were asking, uh, well, where did you come up with this bill, Representative? Uh, did it just, uh, were there any employers in your district that had this problem? Was it? And then he's like, well, well, I just saw, was looking at the law and saw it was a problem. Well, why are there ALEC bills that are identical in this many states? I didn't know that. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so 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 this again back to sort of political, right? What we're experiencing right now with Walker's special session and, and this not calling election, they're in deep trouble, which is again back to our opportunity and back to Rebecca's point. We gotta have the right candidates, right? And we gotta make sure we're continually, even if it's not just this year, right, finding and recruiting candidates who share the analysis Rebecca just talked about earlier, right? That that analysis of what's actually going on in our economy as opposed to, do you support Walker's ridiculous bill or not? So part of the problem here, right, you're, you're, you're doing a special section, you're trying to really hide your policies, right? You're trying to change the subject, get divisive on us. Uh, very Trumpian of him. Uh, another big topic that came up this week that continues to sort of lay bare the the Walker economic policy, which has led to terrible environmental policy, and that's related to Foxconn. Word got out this week that Foxconn, first they want to tap 7 million gallons of water a day from Lake Michigan, which is a lot of water. A large percentage <laughs> of which will not be returned to the lake. 40% will not be returned to the lake. 39 40% which is a significant amount of water. Um, so this has environmental groups obviously extraordinarily concerned, and we're, we haven't even started to talk so about it, the economic it, policy. It wasn't just that the Foxconn executives wanted access to, to boating and harbors, apparently. There, there was a reason they wanted to be near Lake Michigan. Well, 
I'll just say like I'm shocked. This so there's uh, the article that I I read quotes this freshwater scientist uh, uh, Michael uh, Carvan who. He's like, look, I, I'm shocked. That's a lot of water, right? We've talked about this on the podcast before that that the thought was that a lot of the water was going to be returned because they were using it to dilute the chemicals so that they could meet the EPA standards. I know that sounds great. Yeah, um, so great. like all the water we were going to get was going to be diluted with chemicals that meet EPA standards. But no, like actually no, a major chunk of this is, is going to be used inside. Um, so huge issue. We, this is something we're going to have to follow. We may try to get somebody on the podcast next week. I'll just say the article that was posted on our Facebook page this week is going ballistic. So I know this issue is huge for Maybe a lot of waiving you. environmental standards wasn't such a good idea. And trust the folks who negotiated this deal. Remember, the head of WEDAC negotiated this great deal. And, and again, we've had Jonathan Brostoff on, who really has sounded a lot of the alarms about the wetlands and and what was going on environmentally around this but we admit we're not none of us are environmental experts so this is something we we wanted to flag for you we'll have a link to the article please read up on it maybe next week we'll actually have uh, someone on who can talk a little bit more about this but broadly right like it just brings up this foxconn disaster and there was actually one other piece of news that we're going to talk more about on the back end of the break but there was data that came out this week that showed of the God, I can't keep track of the number. $4.5 billion <laughs> that's going to Foxconn. $1.6 billion of it isn't actually going to do anything to create jobs. It's not tied to jobs. Ugh, right. Tied to jobs, yeah. So, so we're going to, we got to take a break, Robert, here. Uh, again, this is Battleground Wisconsin. We're going to talk about this on the back end of the commercial. We got to go. Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And we were just about to talk about Foxconn and talk about the new research that came out about how some of the money, a lot of the money, is actually not tied to creating jobs. Robert? I did have one other thought on the water oh, before yes. we go to the jobs. Uh, people in the eastern part of the state, southeastern, know this. I think we've talked about before. There's There's been a boomlet in Milwaukee that uh, a bunch of public money should go to creating a water hub because we're near water. In fact, Citizen Action's office is right near the Water Technology Council that Weedex Milwaukee headquarters is at. I'm bathing in the water now. And what's been really unclear, given that major uh, partners like A.O. Smith uh, make all of the, make most of their things in Mexico, right, or in Tennessee, they have some executives up here, is how does water get commodified to become the new great job sector in Milwaukee that, that is worthy of public investment? And I'd always joked that, uh, that the only way to, make the, to commodify the water is to sell the water. And this answers my question, because apparently we're, we're not just selling, selling we're, we're paying Foxconn <laughs> to take the water. Oh, if only Foxconn was paying for the water, that'd be great. But you see my point, yeah. that, it, that we brought them with the water. So we're giving away our water to create the, I love it, it's, uh, the up to 13,000 jobs is now always 13,000 jobs. So... Walker has stopped saying so much about the supply chain that's going to get all the way up to Superior and Eau Claire and La Crosse. Nina, those folks could yes. use it. Yeah. Rebecca. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's not it's not so shocking that the 
a huge bulk of the billions of dollars that we're giving Foxconn is not going to go to create jobs. This is something that we were raising the alarm bell on for a while. And when we talk about uh, Kimberly Clark and Nina, we'll see that the tax breaks that they've gotten are not being used to save jobs. In fact, they're being used to dismantle um, the jobs that we have in the Fox Valley. Uh, and then more generally, even beyond tax subsidies, you know, I think we see in vulture capitalism that whenever we have companies lay people off, that uh, it's not because they don't have money, it's because they don't have enough money for their shareholders, for their hedge funds, for um, the financial transactions that they're making. It has very little to do to let with like basic profits. And so that is not surprising. Um, what is surprising is that it seems every week this deal that the elected officials we entrust with our well-being blindly entered into the gets worse. Secret to the last minute deal. We're ready to be forced to actually show the contract to the Weedek board. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a incredibly cynical person and I am shocked and this is alarming <laughs> and, and the water portion is alarming. I mean, we are not the only state that relies on Lake Michigan. I, I don't understand how we could possibly get away with this. Uh, and the poor people who live in the community where Foxconn is going to be must really be um, increasingly concerned. And, you know, I know that initially there was a lot of support among folks in southeast Wisconsin for Foxconn because the idea of jobs is so compelling uh, to that region. But they trust their elected officials to ask these questions and make sure that we're getting a good deal. And what we're seeing is eminent domain and pollution and our tax dollars being given to this company. And it's really scary. Not to mention the quality of the investment, even <laughs> if you believe the claims, right? So this new analysis, Matt was referring to our friends at the Wisconsin Budget Project, who are connected to our friends at Kids Forward, uh, found that if you believe it's 13,000 jobs, and remember it's up to, right? Uh, it's $344,000 for job if you calculate on the $4.5 billion number, okay? So just think about that. Uh, if the jobs are averaging 50000 which is also a claim from Weedek from Walker, where's the other $300,000 $300, going? Just a, just a thought. And, I mean, you could have with this just an, a, an immense public works program that directly employed people that would employ many poor people. We know education spending, healthcare spending, investments in, in renewable energy and energy conservation needed to prevent a climate catastrophe would produce many more jobs than this. But if you count his up to 22,000 jobs outside of Foxconn in the supply chain, which is, there's no data behind this. It's just like pulled out of, they invented it, right? Uh, then we're down to $128,000 per job uh, in this 35,000 job fantasy that they have around Foxconn. And so then you take into account, you know, what we're learning about the water, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the opportunity cost of this is amazing, and this is kind of what it gets down to. Uh, if you do not kind of have our democratic government make investments based on what will create the most economic opportunity for the most people, then you have nothing but, uh, but, a, but a kleptocracy, just, just corporate giveaways. They don't believe in having a standards, and we'll get, we'll, get the, we'll get to this when we get to Kimberly Clark, and neither does Trump. So Trump's tax bill is give huge, massive tax breaks to corporate America and then hope for the best. Well, Robert, we're actually at K Kimberly Clark because I, I want to tie this together, right? Because, look, this all ties back to what we were talking about in terms of the desperation and what we ought to be running on in the vision for what, we ought to be pitching in 2018 what candidates ought to be running on. The Foxconn, as 
Representative Rostov came in and started started calling it from day one, which, by the way, is probably the way this thing will be remembered, is a beautiful, it's like it's a morality tale about what we ought to be doing with our money and our public investments and what the opportunities are. Because when somebody tells you there's not money for, you know, you know, a billion dollars or two billion dollars for renewable energy throughout the state, how to upgrade our public infrastructure and private infrastructure and the jobs that that could create, you can tell them that's not true because I saw the Foxconn. When they tell you there's not enough money, right, for public schools that you can't, that when my kid's in a classroom, which he is in, that's 36 kids to one, which is immoral, that there's not enough money, right? No, that's not true. There's the Foxconn. And so it opens up a lot of possibilities, right, for us to think big about what we could invest uh, if we put our public minds to it, right? And it ought to be bigger than just the concrete infrastructure that maybe a Donald Trump thinks about, right, and privatizing it. So these are the opportunities that a lot of this provides, right? And then it's in the context of what's happening with Kimberly Clark, right, um, and how we're losing these jobs. And these are the jobs that, like, Trump has flat out said, like, I'm the guy's coming in and saving them, right, with, with his tax breaks. And it's, it's clearly not working. But this is the opportunity that I see in the special session is, 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 is sort of the tragedy of, 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 I guess, the opportunity because it shows how desperate he is and how desperate they are. Uh, not calling these elections, gerrymandering our districts. Do want to point out, 37th County in the state, Adams County, uh, this week passed a resolution to uh, oppose gerrymandering. So another part of their power play. Uh, so Robert Kimberly Clark, I know there, and in, in Rebecca, I know we have some thoughts that we want to talk about on that because it's a it's a big deal. And shout out to. Uh, uh, Senator Hansen and uh, Representative Stuck for really getting out front and pr providing the right context on this issue. Okay, so this is like a poster child for the give money to corporations and hope for the best, which of course is convenient if they're also the campaign donors and also the people who fund independent expenditures. And if you believe the malarkey that's what's good for big corporations is good for everyone else, right? Uh, Kimberly Clark is iconic company, hugely important in the history of the Fox Cities in Northeast Wisconsin, and important now, still a very important company. They have made clear that they're using their Trump tax breaks to downsize, uh, yep. which means when you do it with no strings attached, yep. when there's no accountability, no good behavior right, uh, required, yep. uh, then this is what results. And just to point out, I don't think, I haven't seen this in the media yet, uh, Wisconsin's, uh, I mean, Walker's biggest expenditure until the Foxconn, uh, the, uh, the, the Man-Ag tax credit, Manufacturing Agriculture Tax Credit, which made manufacturing virtually tax-free, which is why the Foxconn is structured as a subsidy, because they already wouldn't have paid taxes, right? Uh, it doesn't require you to create jobs at all. In fact, you could use the money to outsource, downsize, anything you want, automate, whatever. Same problem. And so this lays bare, let's not just say the kind of standard politics, which is, you know, a company left when you're governor, so you're at fault, which is the usual level of republican discourse. No, this is the philosophy of conservatives in regard to the economy playing out. And they, they I, I don't know if they actually believe that aiding companies will help everyone or whether they just believe in aiding multinational companies. I think it might stop there. And then they rationalize and tell you it's for your benefit to justify it and to try to get reelected. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is happening, as you have both mentioned, on every level of government. Uh, and, you know, exactly what you said, Robert, what they say uh, that tax cuts are about creating jobs. That's just the narrative that they tell. Tax cuts, corporate welfare, 
uh, drug testing the poor, taking uh, food security and chip away from children is all about a transfer of wealth. Yep. It's not about job creation. And since I started being on the podcast however many months ago, I feel like every week we say Democrats need to have a real economic development and jobs plan. And I think what we don't say clearly enough, which I'll just say now, is that it's really not that hard. Like, it's not mysterious. Like, it's a pretty clear plan. And I want to actually loop back to something we were talking about months ago with Amazon. There's a reason Amazon was, like, very clear about what they were looking for. Yeah, Yeah, the playbook was open, right? What they wanted and why they did or didn't come here. And so We're going to talk about that right (laughs) when we get back, because that is the crux of all this. Uh, Again, this is the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs> we are Citizen Action, and Rebecca was right in the middle of a rant when we had to go to <laughs> terrible corporate, terrible, terrible, terrible commercials. No, no, no. All no, no, wonderful no, no. people supporting the greatest supporting radio station, radio, fifteen ten a.m. Yeah, no, with no Foxconn commercial. Oh God, no! Or so the, the upcoming Foxconn arena, the Bucks will play in. <laughs> but Rebecca was really getting into the to the nut of all this. Keep keep going. You know, I think uh, what I was saying is that in the past we've talked about how Democrats need to have a real jobs plan. And I guess my message to all of the Democrats who are running for governor of our state right now is have a real jobs plan. And it is not mysterious. It is absolutely not tax cuts. It's absolutely not corporate welfare. What it is is investments in these commu- in investments in the Fox Valley, in infrastructure, in education, in transportation. These are things that Amazon, again, opened the playbook and said, this is what we're looking for, did not come here because we didn't have it. So Foxconn came here because we gave them $4.5 billion with no strings attached and like half the water in Lake Michigan. But we cannot do that for every company. Oh, God. Matt. <laughs> yes. The, the, remember the Ross Perot, your, uh, Rebecca Young sucking sound yes. from yeah. NAFTA? This is 39% the sound from Lake Michigan. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, Rebecca. No, that's fine. I mean, I think folks get the point. So, <laughs> Yes. Robert, you were going to say something. Well, it's here's the thing, right? Uh, on our side, there's too much of it. We need to study what to do. We need some more research into what to do, right? And, oh, let's come together and have a consensus and find common ground with these folks, right? When they're, as Rebecca pointed out, extracting wealth. I mean, payday lending is the kind of poster child. And Foxconn, believe you me, will suck Wisconsin and Lake Michigan dry. We now know it's both. And then leave in 20 years uh, for a better deal somewhere else, for lower labor standards, et cetera, because... There is no left. There used to be in the up until the 70s some notion of corporate citizenship where they had to be uh, there was some notion that was part of what a corporation did. That changed under Reagan in the 80s and and the, the law, the right-wing judges actually made it so that the only goal is shareholder value, which yep. means it doesn't matter if you work 60 years for a company and do and do everything and the, and the community makes that profit possible. Capital's mobile if you can make more money somewhere else, gone. Bye. And that, you know, go to Flint, Michigan, right? And then we can also decide it's too expensive to give you drinkable water after the fact and blame you for that. Uh, that's also conservative ideology. No, talk so, about if we have $4.5 million, billion dollars for Foxconn, why don't we have that money to deal with the lead crisis in Milwaukee, right. deal with the lead crisis in Racine, to deal with the water crisis in rural areas because of CAFOS? Like, or to take advantage of the fact that, look, we have growing economic inequality in rural Wisconsin. People have to work three jobs without benefits to hold things together. There, despite Walker's claims, are not plentiful good jobs around in Milwaukee for in the African American Latino community, right? And so, 
why don't we, since we're going to have a global climate genocide if we don't do it, and because we need to structure the restructure the economy if we're going to have the economic opportunity we had before, why don't we invest the $4.5 billion in a clean energy transition that is statewide, that includes agriculture and, and biofuels in rural areas, right? Includes everyone, is all over the state. And by the way, a third of that, according to the economic experts, should be in, in energy conservation. Those investments paved themselves in three years. So guess what? You can take the, the billion and a half for that and get it back and reinvest it over and over and over again. So it's not extraction, right, at all. But we're not thinking that way at all. And just to give you a sense of their economic logic, everyone, I was kind of looking at their, this is their numbers on why they should go from their first requirement that they did a, a, a year and a half ago of 20 hours per week work for food shares to 30, is that of uh, the people affected, 25,000 able-bodied. I love able-bodied. It suggests so that there's, there, there are yeah. wonderful, by the way, they, they could be mentally ill, just pointing out, doesn't mention able-minded, right? 25,000 able-bodied food stamp participants finding work. By the way, that means they got into one horrible, trend, uh, you know, kind of temporary kind of job, yeah. right? Uh, often done by companies who are extracting and don't want people to stay in the jobs. They right. want the lowest possible. So they right. just want to cycle people through. But okay, so they keep claiming. Walker says, Stacey, great success. 25,000 people working like they're all working. They all have great jobs now. 80,000 people lost benefits. So in other words... 80, oh, close to 80% didn't get a job, and they needed food assistance. So what are they doing now? Why is this not a scandal? And the, of the 25,000 in success, very few of those were probably a permanent success, a lot less than 100%. Well, so I, I, I will not rant, but just to, to talk about this a little bit further, I know that we moved past it, but j just to come back. So... We've talked before about the unemployment statistics in the state, and we've also talked about how there are jobs that are hard to fill. The reason that we are not filling jobs are because they are not good jobs. I wouldn't even call them jobs. They're exploitative opportunities for individuals who, like, when you factor in childcare, when you factor in transportation, when you factor in how much it costs you to get to the job, not where people it live. doesn't right. make sense. So this policy, this quote-unquote welfare reform is about forcing people into situations where you get the maximum benefit for these exploitative employers and people are being forced to do something that doesn't even make economic <laughs> sense for them and their families. So they even have a larger labor force to churn through with their low road, load, low road strategy and extract more. It has nothing to do with helping individuals. It has everything to do with helping low road employers. So this is great because this ties to what the plan has to be, right? You have to deal with wage floor. Okay, that's, that's one. Right. It has to be in your plan. It has to be in your vision. $15 minimum wage. So here's the other thing. Here's the other piece and uh, this is to two people up in the Kimberly Clark area and everyone else. Please stop saying that there's a shortage of skilled workers, that we have a skilled skilled jobs and that somehow these 600 people who are losing their jobs because they're skilled workers are going to have it easy to find new work because there's a skill. That is not true. And anyone who says that should consider taking the advice themselves. Get out of your job as an elected official because yep. you have the skill. There's a shortage. You should go do something else because... That's an insult. We know those jobs pay well. Those are good union jobs, right? And the idea, there isn't a skilled worker. They're not paying enough money. It's straight up you know, yeah, economics. That, so Rebecca pointed out one part of the, of, of, the, of the job openings, right? The fast food restaurant 
30 miles from anywhere near where their population of people who need jobs is, right? Out yeah. on an interstate. Yeah. So there's that one. But then the skilled one, right? So we'll have Walker and the like say, oh, look, pages. And the, the CEOs complain to me and whine, whine to him because they like to whine, right? They're very put upon all the time when, in fact, it's a, simply a market issue of how much they're willing to pay. If you're only willing to pay welders $12,000 you know, I mean, a year, you're not going to get, or, or $12 an hour, you're not going to get any welders. And you'll notice we have no shortage of CEOs because we pay them plenty. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing that goes unremarked upon um, in these conversations is not just the loss of jobs or whether or not people could find other jobs and the overall employment situation. This is trauma. It's trauma for these families, for these communities. It is trauma that we have experienced in Wisconsin over and over and over and over and over again. And we should absolutely do what we can to attract good jobs to our state. But we if our elected officials are not safeguarding our communities and the jobs we have, then they are part and parcel responsible for the trauma that's being inflicted So we have these us. trashy training programs that are uh, simply giving people just enough to get these jobs that are not permanent, right? Meanwhile, we return, Walker is running ads and buying coasters in, uh, in the north side of Chicago to draw white millennials here. So he's at literally written off everyone across Wisconsin who is who who does not, either is underemployed or unemployed or out of the workforce i will say since this has been super negative the good news is that it is like very easy to figure out what to do to turn our state around and we are on the cusp of actually having the power to do it I think that, you know, this is a wave year. I, we just won SD10. I think we're going to win a lot of other seats. There are some compelling candidates, including Citizen Action Co-op members who are running for office. Uh, and I do believe that we are going to beat Scott Walker. And so I think the, the trick on the policy side is to push back on them doing the most damage they can on their way out the door and for us to work on building power to win these elections this year. Absolutely. And I know it can sometimes sound negative, but I, I actually agree. I think we often are throwing out really what these solutions are, and they are not that complex, but they do require a commitment to taking a break away from the old system and saying, like, no, I, I'm all for raising the revenue we need to do big things, to put people back to work, to provide opportunity, to transition us away from our current economy, right? Robert talked about the global catastrophe. This can all be done. It is well within our imagination. We just need to actually tell the story, get our politicians out where the people are, and we can win. We can do some very big things um, this year. But before we go, I do want to mention a couple quick things that we may bring up next week in addition to the, we may dive a little deeper into the Foxconn water issue because we think it's big. A DPI did release this week that we have almost 400 voucher schools now in Wisconsin that have applied. The unwinding conspiracy there. Yeah, so people used to think of Milwaukee as the big you know, place where vouchers are. It's all Mo just a beachhead. Milwaukee is 133 voucher schools now, so we're talking 222 uh, in the statewide program. So uh, that is big news, and we know the impact of that program and what it has on public education. But with that, another group like WMC, like uh, like like WEDEC recipients that cannot be held accountable like our conservatives in any way whatsoever. But with that, we really do got to wrap this up. We are Citizen Action. This is the Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank our producer Brian Wilbridge, who makes the show happen every week. Of course, we want to thank 1510 for letting us be on the airwaves every Sunday afternoon uh, with you. And we'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin. Bye.